Hello, my name is Eva, and welcome to part three of the podcast series, Who Was Bluetooth? In this series, we recount the history of the 10th century Danish king, Harald Bluetooth, whose sobriquet, as we now know, was adopted as the name of the communications network technology that we today recognize as Bluetooth. Last time, we left off after Harald Bluetooth had successfully put his ally, or should we more correctly call him his dependent, Håkon, on the Norwegian throne after Bluetooth had ensured the murder of the previous Norwegian king. Harald and Håkon were close allies and friends. But this did not prevent Harald Bluetooth from insisting that Håkon pay him an annual gift of precious goods. As I said in the previous episode, Bluetooth was nothing if not ambitious and extremely greedy. By the year 973, Bluetooth had, according to the 12th century chronicle Gesta Dinorum, been king of Denmark for 15-odd years. There had been, and there was still, peace of a sort in Denmark, and this allowed Bluetooth to pursue the quest for foreign expansion and influence, an urge which coursed through his veins ever since he, as a youth, had led a successful Viking raid to the English coast. Now, in the summer of 973, Bluetooth felt the winds of fortune blowing his way and he set his mind on conquering land south of the porous border which Denmark shared with the Holy Roman Empire. For Bluetooth, conquest would be sweet, but vengeance even better, and he had an axe to grind with the Holy Roman Empire, which sought to meddle and command all the kingdoms of Europe. Decades earlier, in 948, Pope Agapetus II had summoned bishops and high-standing nobles to the Synod of Ingelheim to discuss pressing religious concerns. Amongst these, the founding of missionary dioceses in Sweden and in Denmark. Now, the key word in this is missionary. For though Denmark had been ruled by a baptized king one century earlier, the full-scale conversion of the people of Denmark was slow, with Christian communities scattered and far between. Christianity in Scandinavia was usually integrated into existing pagan customs rather than replacing old traditions, and this went more or less unchecked unless a ruler made a concerted effort to turn the people to the church, and there had been no such enterprise in Denmark which was probably one of the reasons that King Gorm the Old, the then King of Denmark, was not invited to the Synod. Gorm the Old had rigidly held on to the old ways, scorning the church and even banishing bishops from his kingdom. For this reason, Pope Agapetus did not even consider leaving the task of spreading Christianity in Denmark to the Danes themselves for he knew full well that Gorm the Old would not protect, promote, or even pay for building churches and religious sites. So the task was given to the Bishop of Hamburg, 
and his worldly lord, Emperor Otto I of the Holy Roman Empire. Otto I wholeheartedly endorsed the Pope's plan of saving the souls of Denmark. And while the Emperor may have had a devout wish to save the Danes from hell, one might rightly suspect that he was very pleased with receiving papal approval of sending his missionaries, who of course would have to be protected by his men-at-arms, into the lands of the kingdom to the north, whose king Otto I disliked, but whose arable southern lands Otto I greatly appreciated. The mission was ultimately a great success for Otto I. Ravaging the southern and western lands of Denmark over a period of two years finally brought Gorm the Old to his knees. Quite literally, in fact, for the king of the Danes was forced to accept Otto the Great as his liege lord, which meant ceding land and paying annual tribute to the Holy Roman Emperor. And, well, not to forget the papal command, Gorm the Old and his heir, Harald Bluetooth, were forced to convert to Christianity. Now, in Danish folklore, there are several stories told of how Gorm the Old whispered the wrong words or wore a talisman against the words of Christendom. But such actions really didn't matter, for in the eyes of the church, Gorm the Old and his heir, Harald Bluetooth, were now Christians. And in the societies of the 10th century, the faith of the sovereign was the pivotal light of faith of the kingdom. This was a huge victory for Otto I, for it not only won him esteem from the church, but politically it meant that Gorm the Old could no longer attack the Holy Roman Empire without risk of excommunication by the Pope, and with that suffer the loss of allies. Gorm the Old might have been an unwilling participant in the alliance of Christian kingdoms, but he was now a member. And as for Otto I, well, perhaps there is a reason why he is now remembered as Otto the Great, for his ability to keep his friends close and his enemies even closer. But on the 7th of May, 973, Otto the Great died and left his empire to his 18-year-old son, Otto II. News of the death of Otto reached Bluetooth only a few days after the event through his communications network of sailors and riders, and the news put Bluetooth instantly in mind to write old grievances. Now, his father, Gorm the Old, may have been Christian on paper, but he had lived and loved as a pagan, and on his deathbed he had insisted on a pagan burial, which the church and the Holy Roman Emperor had protested against. But now, Bluetooth could afford to laugh, for the one they called the Great was dead. And surely a young, new emperor, barely 18 years of age, would prove no match for Harald Bluetooth, a seasoned king and a proven Viking. One might imagine that these were the thoughts coursing through Bluetooth's mind 
as he crossed into the emperor's lands in the summer of 974, intent on conquest and attacking Otto's armies all the way down to Saxony. Bluetooth had assembled a formidable army for this occasion, and he had bolstered it with Norwegian warriors sent to him by his ally, King Håkon of Norway. Bluetooth was heady with triumph all through that summer as they drove the emperor's men further and further south. But as harvest time set in, the Norwegians refused to go any further, and they set sail for their own lands before snow and iced-over waters could prevent them from reaching home, and no amount of payment could entice them to stay. It was in this moment that Otto, that new young emperor, went on the offensive, and by the winter of 974, Otto had driven Bluetooth back to the Danish fortifications known as Danevirke, just to the north of the emperor's lands. It had been a sweet, sweet summer for Bluetooth, but now the bitter stench of defeat was all he could smell. And worse, this foreign adventure had stirred up opposition at home, and as he returned, Bluetooth was to discover that his well-functioning communications network, which kept him abreast of all things going on in the outside world, might not have adequately apprised him of threats very close to home. And so, next time, family betrayal. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to Restless Times in History, as it really does help getting the podcast seen and going up in the algorithms. Until next time, I have been Eva, and thanks so much for listening.